0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women and Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. I actually fall in love with every one of my guests, and I'm super excited to have here today a guest who's been on my calendar for far too long, Ray Ritter. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to talk to you and be a part of your podcast, and I remember when we first met, you have great energy, and it really comes across on the digital platforms that I've listened to on your blog and your podcast.
0: You're so welcome. I'm glad to have you here. Um, So folks, those of you who listen regularly, you know this is just a conversation. Um, I, I like to say two chicks chatting, and sometimes I'll have an ally or better yet, a champion who is in the fight for equity in the workplace. So men and women are welcome to my show. I'm super excited to have Ray on today. I'd love to get to know you better. And more importantly, I would love for my listeners to get to know you better as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Ray.
1: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs. And um, even as a child, I was always an athlete. And I was the captain of a couple of varsity teams in my high school. And when I was 16 years old, I took a class at Parsons School of Design on uh, design marketing in New York. And it was then that I decided I was ready. I was ready to get into a career in marketing. I thought at that time, it was something I felt really passionate about. So then I went on to graduate with honors from the University of Pittsburgh with a degree in marketing, a minor in studio art, and an international business certificate, not really knowing exactly where that would take me.
0: Well, I have So to without say, any before idea... Before you go on, I wanna say that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm very familiar with Parsons. I have friends who went there, they're older than you, but that's quite, uh, like at 16 years old, that's amazing. What, what insight and foresight ha- did you have? That's pretty great. And the fact that you're both creative, which is clear, and business-minded, that is unique and very much um, needed, I think, throughout all industries. Uh, across the globe. So I just want to give you a little shout out. Kudos to you for recognizing at such a young age what you are passionate about and what you want to do. So carry on.
1: Thank you, thank you. And I, and I think you're right, I, I do find um, you know the business and the art really um, utilize both sides of my brain and and I think that that helps me kind of stay kind of grounded and, and maybe rounded out, I hope.
0: You bet, um, so. you bet. So. <laughs>
1: So without having any idea what legal marketing was uh, later on, I landed a junior position in the marketing department of a large international law firm. And then once there, I quickly pivoted into the technology side of marketing. I oversaw the client, the firm's client relationship management software and also the email marketing campaigns for that firm. And then a few years later, I'm, it was, not exciting oh really (laughs) not that part at least
0: (laughs) oh i have questions i have questions for you about that but carry on and then i'll ask my
1: question oh sure yeah it's yeah the crm part is very detail oriented and um you know this was in the early 2000s so we didn't have all the same technology that we have today and choices with email campaigns and all of that so um so then a few years later, I went on to kind of carry that foundation to a large national law firm where I was head of digital marketing. And um, when I started there, we did a big firm rebrand and brand new website launch. And then while I was there, I launched the firm social media marketing. I did LinkedIn training across the firm. Uh, we launched blogs. And then I also oversaw the email marketing. CRM, website maintenance, and then other digital marketing solutions that we were um, experimenting with and and rolling out to the firm.
0: And in that role, I
1: manage a team. Yeah,
0: before you tell me about your managing the team, let me ask you something. Um, I I don't ask how old my um, guests are, and I won't, but I'll tell you, MarTech is something that was not around when I started in legal marketing. It was all that outbound, talk about us, buy ads about us. I think it's fascinating mm-hmm. that you were um, in MarTech, and I don't know that a lot of listeners, I mean, I had someone ask me yesterday, what is MarTech, and I was shocked that in this day and age, someone would even ask that question, but you are living it. You are MarTech personified. This is the way of the future, if not the present, and then into the future. Um, I follow a lot of Scott Brinker. <laughs> do, you, do you follow Scott? Uh, no,
1: that name's not familiar to me.
0: Yeah, so yeah, but it, I should. I will. No, no, it's not that you should. I, I have followed him for a thousand years. I used to reach out to him for advice. Sort of when the world was doing that uh, paradigm shift, going through the shift of inbound marketing, outbound marketing to inbound marketing, I should say. He has a website called chiefmartech.com and tech is just T-E-C, not T-E-C-H, but chiefmartech.com. Mm-hmm. He does incredible work. And you, even though you didn't realize who he he was, you are exactly the person, the role, the skill set, the talent that he introduced to the marketplace. Um, He said, gone are the marketing people who just know traditional marketing. And to stay are the marketing people who know technology. So I think you are Mm -hmm. ahead of your time. And that's pretty amazing. Whatever firm you worked at, we'll, we'll not say it here on the show, but They were very lucky to have you. And I think that's pretty incredible. Um, I don't have that many friends who can call themselves MarTech experts, which I believe you can.
1: (laughs) I mean, I've been in the field for over 15 years. And I think the thing that kept me in the legal marketing industry is, is, is the technology of it. And things really did change. When I started, no one had blogs and or well, no one in law firms. Had blogs and no one, no one was tweeting, and even the thought of using Twitter or any type of social media platform—it didn't even exist in the in the start. But by the time it was out there, it was a heavy lift to convince lawyers that these are tools and resources that they should use, and when they shouldn't use them. Right. So, you know, some some people maybe need a little muting on social media, (laughs) Um, and (laughs) and some people need to be
0: amplified. I think you. I think, I think probably some agree. law firms are still in that mindset that they need your advice on mm-hmm. what you do. Um, frankly, mm-hmm. you're so remarkable, and I know your background. Um, I want to hire you, but I know you have a great, a great <laughs> job. I know you work with a great uh, organization. They do really, really good work. Mm-hmm. So tell me more. I'll mm-hmm. be quiet and let you tell us more how you got to where you are.
1: Oh, um, no, Just uh, so I'll, the only other thing I was going to mention about that um, last role at the large national firm was that I had a team of um, six to eight people, and it and it varied from time to time. Um, and one thing that I really loved about that role was training them, growing them, and empowering my staff, and and kind of watching them go to work. And at the time that I worked there, I didn't have children, but I sort of had that um, like pride in my team, you know, doing awesome. great work at that time.
0: You sound and, like a really. Um, and then. Team leader. That's the quality. Uh, th- those are the qualities of a really great team leader, where you, you empower people and let them do their jobs. Um, like like Steve Jobs said, "Why hire smart people and then micromanage them? Let them do their jobs." That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: And honestly, I think that the, like, I learned some of that foundation in playing sports years ago. I was, like I said, I was on I was the captain of some varsity teams in high school, and you know that might seem unimportant so many years later, but it really was a foundation for the way that I, you know, treat my my peers, my team, and, and so on.
0: I agree, I agree. So transformational leadership skills are evident in good team leaders, team collaborators in sports, and um, I was in dance, so I don't know that anyone would consider that a sport, but it was quite rigorous. I was a jazz dancer for 13 mm-hmm. years, and so you had to do the same thing. You know, it requires discipline with empathy, listen with mm-hmm. empathy. And I, I can see you're that kind of person. Well, in this career, um, tell me, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment?
1: Um, I think that um it really would be not a particular moment in time, but maybe something that was more of a theme in my career path so far. So I would say that was asking for what I want. And I think that it may not seem like a very big deal, but that it was important and meaningful in my career progression to ask for things that were important to me. Um, and it's I think totally that a lot of women don't do huge. This.
0: No, that let's stop. For yeah. a minute. That is huge. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many women I coach and train to make the ask because they're afraid to, or don't even think to, that is so powerful mm-hmm. that you made the ask long before it was a catchphrase, make the ask. So that's pretty terrific. I'm okay, glad yeah. that you said
1: that. It was yeah, it so over time I, you know, asked for promotions or more money and then even I asked and and earned the opportunity to go on Secundan at um the law firm where the international law firm where I worked. Um I was I was in my tw- in my twenties and I kept going over to the London office to help uh, prepare a team to work on a big pilot CRM refresh project in the London office and like I said I was in my mid-20s I was young but this but I was helping them prepare for this and it wasn't a very glamorous position and it was it was very demanding and a couple different times they locally hired someone to fulfill that role to oversee this project and a couple times the person who they hired, Quit and said it is just too demanding so um at a, an event in the office i said to the london managing partner that they should just move me to london and i'll manage the project and i laid out what i could achieve for that for them in doing it and before i knew it i was flying over there i lived in london for a year and um, it was kind of scary to to say that those things i can do this and this is what i'll do but it ended up being a big milestone in my you know, career path.
0: Well, Ray Ritter, you were leaning in before Lean In was a book. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's really <laughs> awesome. Not pretty awesome. That's very awesome. I'm super proud to hear that story. And I hope that all my listeners realize how unique that um, go get it attitude is and that Leaning in you know thinking I can do this not that I have done it I shouldn't necessarily be always judged just on what I have done uh, Because we know men certainly are judged on what they can do Women need to start to lean in and say I can do this and that is what you did mm-hmm. or it was the cool thing to do So there you are again trailblazing Um, yeah. let me ask you, did you ever have a mentor?
1: Um, not exactly. Um, I would really say that it would be my parents. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that people say that a lot. But both of my parents really kind of came from very modest means. My mom grew up on a farm in Minnesota. My dad um, was the son of a pharmacist in Philadelphia. And they both put themselves through, through school, through advanced degrees. You know, they raised my brother and me and and we you know had a great life they always pushed us and set the bar really high and said you know whatever you, you can do whatever you want to do but you need to give it your all and do your best and that's what we expect from you and there's really there's there's nothing else you you this is our expectation and you have to do your best and that didn't mean that we always succeeded or were first place or anything like that but um that was that was the expectation set and now i you know I look back, I know they had so many balls in the air, both working and we were doing activities. And, and I think now having my own children, I can see like what they did as working parents and it kind of puts a new lens on, on life. And you know, particularly in, well, now things are even a little different within the current uh, you know COVID environment, but- Well,
0: I will say- that- I really
1: always found them very inspirational
0: work ethic is not genetic, but if it were, I would say you could attribute that to your parents because you totally have that. Um, Clearly you have that. I I don't know your brother, but if you were raised by parents with that kind of work ethic, he probably turned out pretty well too. Um, You don't have Mm -hmm. to comment now in case I'm wrong on that, but
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I
0: I think it's (laughs) terrific that you give your parents that kind of, respect here all these years later and you give them that recognition and you give them that appreciation. So yeah, definitely. And now you can relate to them because you're a parent yourself. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Um, Mm -hmm. You know that I'm all about lifting women and it's not just words for me. I mean, I live and breathe it. I dream about lifting women in business. I dream about equity in the workplace. And then I wake up and try to make those dreams come true. What do you think we can do on a day-to-day basis? Does not have to be grand? It can be, you know, just something small or it can be grand, whatever your idea might be. What do you think?
1: Um, well, I think that, and this may be a small thing, um, but this is something that I try to do is, is be a connector. And I actually, I see you do this all the time as well. Um, in my personal life and also my professional life, you know, if I'm at, a networking event or a gathering even just a happy hour with friends um you know i try to seek out a person who doesn't seem to know anyone ask them about themselves and then connect them to someone else in the room and i think it could it could be about anything common interest it could be professional it, but something to make them feel a little bit more comfortable and confident to set out what they were trying to achieve by going to that event and if it was a happy hour maybe it was just to have fun and meet some new people if it was, um, you know, a work professional networking event, help them connect with someone else. And I think part of the reason that I, that's something that I started doing is at that time when I was in London, um, you know, I was alone when I was there. And I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if someone could kind of help connect me to people because I don't really know too many people over here.
0: You know, I love this answer. You're right. This is what I live for. I do this. I connect I collect people and then I connect them. So, um, mm-hmm. I will say this. That is, you know, it it gets it doesn't get the attention it needs. Networking used to be seen as something fluffy. I take it very seriously. I think when you find that person in the room who might be an introvert or might even be shy which those are two different things but nonetheless they're not really keen on networking and you can gracefully bridge the gap between they're hanging out by themselves in the corner or at the bar or whatever and meeting someone who might change their life that that if i mean if i meet someone everyone i meet changes my life in some way but if you're bridging that gap that's amazing the conduit between um Maybe an unhappy experience at a networking event to something that results in new personal or business relationships that then result in a happier self. I think that's really great. I love that answer. I didn't, I, you know, no one's ever said that actually on this show. Um, <laughs> you're. <laughs> You're totally talking my language. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm going to (laughs) steal you from Lacey. I'm going to hire you someday. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out, Robin. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Um, Y'all have a great, great thing going. I think you have a really good group over there and what you do. We haven't talked about what you currently do. If you want to talk a little bit about Mm Lacey, you can. And then I have a really um, exciting, I think, Power question, a wild card question to ask you after. Yeah,
1: sure. Um, so after I'd worked in-house at law firms for well over a decade, I had decided that I wanted to, again, ask for something that I wanted. And I, I just thought it was time to have more life in my work-life balance. So I imagined this world where I could have a, a position, a job in my industry and in my field and keep elevating my career. I didn't want to become stale or, or, you know, lose sight of new technology and things going on like that. But I also wanted to spend more time with my my young family. I had a, a young child under one and, you know, plans to have another child eventually. And I spoke to my now boss, Jason Lisi, who I had known professionally for a decade. and And I saw an opportunity and I, I sat down and I wrote a job description for the title or for the job director of client service and marketing, which was not a position that he had. And I shared it with him. And we talked about, you know, how I could bring value to his company, to Lisi. And then in doing that, we also really redefined our agency's marketing message to one that not just serves law firms, but one that is made up of lawyers and law firm marketing professionals and and that we were different we had the we could say to clients and potential clients we've been in your shoes we've been in the law firm we know the challenges you're facing and it, it it kind of uh you know tilted the you know our our message and what we were saying to clients so so with that i started working part time from home and i was able to really have some pretty strong boundaries around what was work and and what was home and that was that was and has always been very well respected in this role.
0: So, well, I want to. So that's where that I am out. now. Yeah, no, you're you're amazing. You're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I oh. want to say, an amazing leader is one who, like we said earlier, brings amazing people on and lets them amaze. Right. So a big shout out to Mm -hmm. Jason, because Jason Leasey does a lot of really great things in the um, legal profession. All the law firms that I've ever worked with um, should be listening to what he's saying and should be watching what he's doing. And I think what -hmm. what all of you do as a team has really changed the industry. I think it's really great. So um, shout out to you guys over there in uh, Philly. Um, Yeah, doing great, great work. Um, I, I don't know. I just think there's something you are already big on the horizon, but the fact that you have the courage to write your own job description and say, Hey, (laughs) I want to do this and I want you to pay me to do it. And then they go, okay, I think that's pretty amazing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just the power of persuasion and and having the data and information. It's not just, Hey, I want this or I want more money. It's sure. these are the these are the things I've accomplished, and this is what I will do in the first three months, six months, so on. And and then you have to stand up to that. It can't be empty promises, or your word won't.
0: Yeah, won't hold up. you'd never get it. Get the next job. So here's what I'll say about mm-hmm. that. Um, I believe in being a compelling storyteller, and it's not just mm-hmm. about the words or the body language or the intonation or it's about the data that backs up your story. That's what makes it reliable and valid. And then you can compel Mm -hmm. all you want. Um, You tell an emotional story, uh, but if it's not backed by data, it's empty, right? So Mm -hmm. you apparently know that and live that and do that quite well. Well, let me ask you my wild card question. Um, And then I wanna know a setback you went through and got through and how, but right now, what is something that you used to dislike, but maybe now you enjoy?
1: Mm, I think really being in front of people i I mean I most particularly like one- on one training, but I think in the beginning it was very intimidating to walk into a senior partner's office and and sit down next to them and and be the Let's say, for example, LinkedIn expert, and and tell them what to do. Um, you know, knowing what their billable rate is and how valuable their time is, and I that that was very nerve-wracking in the beginning. But I had to kind of tilt that and say, well, but my time is valuable too, and right. and you know, I am helping you make better use of your time, and I'm 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 training you and giving you techniques and tactics and and resources and, and helping, you know, your online persona. And I mean, I'm just using LinkedIn LinkedIn as a, a single example, but that was something that gave me a lot of anxiety early on. But now I you know enjoy doing it and I really enjoy the outcome when I see my students um, you know, using a tool that I trained them on or, or using a resource that I've taught them. That's it's really like now. it's well it's like I
0: what you, just what you just described is mm-hmm. the keen and rare ability to really hone in on your unique value proposition. And to be able to present that for new jobs is great. To be able to present that to your students, as you call them, the lawyers who need you, whether they know mm-hmm. it or not, you are able to compel them to hire you and engage with you and believe you. Um, that is something most even good, traditional so-called great salespeople, that is something they struggle with and can't do well. And it's really hard. And wow, look at you, you know, creating your own unique value proposition in terms that are in the language of the user. So your students, as you call them. And I love that. I kind of chuckled when you said that. <laughs> lawyers, lawyers just love it when their marketing people call them students. <laughs> Good for
1: you. Well, and it's... <laughs> Thank you. And and it was a unique experience going from in-house at a law firm where, you know, as being in the marketing department, you know, they're paying me and I'm not bringing in income to the the company directly to going to an agency where they're paying us to come in and teach them and train them. And I think that even makes them feel that it's more valuable, which is interesting.
0: Oh, we could talk for hours on that topic, the whole non-attorney thing. (laughs) I am a business executive with lots of strategic uh, planning in my background, successful um, selling relationship and consultative selling, uh, a VP level at the world's largest custodian bank. And I go into a law firm and I'm just a non-attorney. So I hear you. I like (laughs) the fact that you're probably the woman who can draw the dotted line to how you do impact the bottom line at the the um, law firm, the work that you do does bring Mm -hmm. in business and enables revenue. Um, So yeah, Mm -hmm. don't even get me going on that because I could give a (laughs) two hour speech on the, the, um, you know, how we need to be appreciated more and what lawyers don't know about business that I do and you know, whatever. But you Mm -hmm. touched a nerve there. (laughs) Anyway. Sorry about that. Let me ask you. um, What has been a big challenge or maybe a setback, and how did you overcome it?
1: Um, Well, I would say one big challenge, and I started to touch on this earlier, it really grew out of this opportunity that I had in London, and it was kind of mixed personal challenge with professional challenge because it was so exciting. I got to move there and live there and travel around Europe and support these offices on all these projects. But unlike a study abroad, I went alone. And I'm an extrovert and I get energy from being with people and talking to people. And in Philadelphia, I have a big social support system. Nice. And then I moved to London by myself. And I had hoped, oh, well, I'll make friends with my work colleagues and we can hang out on the weekends and maybe do something after work. And then I learned that, you know, hey, I was living in this very posh flat in a very central area of London but all of my colleagues had very long commutes outside the city and i was younger than most of my peers and i was an american woman and and i'm here in this other country and i think some folks question you know why didn't they hire a local person for this job yeah and they tried a few times and it just didn't work and that you know that wasn't my fault but it felt very lonely at times and i really questioned you know is, is it worth spending a full year of my my 20s away from my silly life so so I had a lot of time to think about, you know, what I was doing and spend time with myself alone. And it really, um, you know, gave me an opportunity to mature really. And I, you know, also let me say, I, this was before FaceTime, this was before Skype, Facebook, iPhone, Wi-Fi. So like, if I wanted to get connected with my my family, I had to make a long distance phone call, which was very expensive, or I had to write an email in my laptop, save it to a flash drive, bring it into work, Plug it in at work and email it from there. Wow. So it wasn't like today how you can just pick up the phone and, and FaceTime. You know, my sister in law lives in Scotland. I can FaceTime her at any time. But right now, you know, it, when I was living in London, it was isolating. So I, um, it's, it's funny. The, the way I was thinking about this is what you a little bit, like you said earlier, I leaned into it and I said, you know, okay, I'm going to figure out the things that I want to do on my own. So I started running. And I went to the theater, There's such wonderful theater in London, right? And I would yeah. I'd go alone, I'd go to museums alone, I focused on work, I made a few very close friends. And then I also even strengthened some of the relationships that I had with my American friends and family because they came to visit me. And then you know, having that, that tie between us made us close as well. So that was, you know, I, I don't wanna sound like, well it was me, I went abroad on this really cool job and it was so hard. But as an extrovert, extrovert it, that was a really challenging, personal, personally challenging time for me. That, I
0: want to say something you know, about in that. In the end, I matured. I'm laughing. I'm laughing so hard at that. Because as everyone who knows me, and even those who don't know me but have heard me knows, I too am an extrovert. And this whole shelter in place, stay at home, isolation kind of thing, it's a killer for us. I mean, lonely, no relationships, I said that bad. is. It's mm-hmm. totally, a, you know, my introvert friends are like, this is my dream, you know, um, mm-hmm. but extrovert friends are like, I thrive on relationships and I need to be around people. And where's my hug? You know, so um, mm-hmm. I get it. I get what you're saying. And, and lucky for me, um, I mean, I went through that terrible transition the first six months of owning my own business where I was stuck at home and I was alone. My kid was off at college. My husband would go to the city hall to work every day. But now, being sheltered in place, they're they're working from home, too. So I have City Hall outside Mm -hmm. my door. I have Berkeley upstairs. I'm loving Mm -hmm. having them here. But as an extrovert, if I did not have that, I would suffer the same as you. So don't minimize the um, impact that being lonely, not just alone, but has on an extrovert. So I hear you. We Mm -hmm. thrive on those relationships. Yeah. I I said that same
1: thing recently. I'm not experiencing this, this, the same as everyone else as an extrovert. I'm, I'm having some difficulty with it and, you know, just taking it one day at a time, you know, that's (laughs) talking to my family a lot, but man, it's zoom happy hours are not as good as the real, as seeing my friends in real life and seeing my family.
0: That's true. That's true. So if you ever want to zoom with me, I make it fun. We have so much We should last night I did a mentor circle. We have about fourteen C suite women in Silicon Valley in my mentor circle. And we've started talking about not just what book are you reading and what show are you watching on Netflix or what podcast are you listening to. We've now resorted to what are you drinking and why. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot hmm. of fun stuff. We talk about business, but we also talk about um like we do trivia, like knowledge power trivia, not just silly trivia, but knowledge power trivia. And it's, you know, two hours every two weeks. So if you ever need ideas or want input or a moderator or just to chat, it's just you and me, feel free to reach out because I hear you, sister. It is hard. It is really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially those people who don't have family. I feel so bad for them. Um, I, I put out on Facebook, if you have no one, please email me, call me, you know, text me. We mm-hmm. can connect. I, I mean, there. This is a real problem for some people: the mm-hmm. isolation, the depression, the, you know. So I'm glad that you shared that story. And yes, I can imagine <laughs> some people are saying, "Check your privilege, sister." But I hear you I, as an I, I feel guilty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't feel guilty about it. I know, and, and, ever.
1: and yeah. Well, and in the same breath, you know, I say, just for the current situation, I'm. I'm healthy, I'm with my family, we're together, we have food in the fridge and a roof over our head, and, and, and those are all wonderful things. So, you know, I do t- you know wrap my head around the whole thing, but there's there's like some mental health yeah. involved in, in all of this. And that and that's, that's very real.
0: Do you know Katie Barnard? She um, owns Fire Sign Marketing in Kansas City. She's one of the most oh, rock no, star I women. Well, you should, she is a young baby too. She's in legal marketing now owns her own business, but she's one of the most rock star women I've ever met in my life. And I adore her and would do anything for her to help, you know, grow and protect her business, help her personally, whatever. She said to me when I was doing the, you Ray, I was saying like you, Oh, well, you know, other people, you know, at least we don't have COVID-19 or at least we don't have, you know, she said, stop with the comparative, you know, you can feel your sad. you can own your, you know, mm-hmm. dip in your space with grace and feel bad about this. This is hard. This is not easy. And I'm such a powerhouse, get her done gal that I'm like, oh, shame on me for doing the woe is me. And she said, no, if you mm-hmm. don't, you know, you need to, you need to reveal that and get that out and share your feelings because it'll manifest itself in ways you don't realize, like, lack of sleep, or maybe like I do, drink too much wine, or eat too, mu- <laughs> too much microwave popcorn. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel your pain, and I'm glad, I'm honoring that, and I love that you told this story. It did, it, it was, it's a, I can relate, it's a good story. So tell us something Thank before you. we go, um, tell us something surprising about you, and then I'm going to ask you to share with my listeners how they can reach you.
1: Sure. Um, so I think this is something that many people who know me professionally don't know about me. And it's that I am an artist. And and when I was a child, I, I said, I want to be an artist when I grow up. And I took all the art classes and I won art awards in school. I, um, you know, I said I had a studio art minor in college. And, and now I feel like my home is kind of my canvas. And I'm inspired by light and natural elements and and also there's um, there was an art collector named Dr. Albert C. Barnes um, of the you know the Barnes Museum in Philadelphia and he had this vision to collect certain pieces and display them in really unique ways and mixing media within the same space like metals next to paintings and on the, and it's really interesting so if you haven't been to the Barnes Museum in Philadelphia it's fantastic go and check it out and it's just I've always found it really inspiring Um, and then and also you know I I do create art with my children they're um, almost three my son is almost three and my daughter is five so when we make their little masterpieces I try to let them really be hands-on and not try to make make it perfect for them Um, but that's the way I practice my art now and then you know from time to time I feel like oh, the websites we create really are works of art um, yeah. Some more than
0: others, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but, but some are are really, um, you know, artistic and have an interesting take in addition to being, you know, highly functional. So um, I don't, I still sort of feel like I want to be an artist when I grow up, but I'm not really sure how that would <laughs> play out that. in my future.
0: <laughs> Let me say <laughs> about that, okay. if you don't mind. Um, you are, in everything you've told me today you are a person who understands or maybe you don't understand it but you wield it anyway the power to create your own reality everything you've talked about has been i have a vision i want to make it come true i'm gonna create the path to, to to make it come to fruition both in your work life and in this creative art side of you so i cannot tell you how unique and refreshing it is to meet even though i haven't met you in person but to meet someone who has both the um, right and left brain going on. Um, if you have not read Dan Pink's book called "The Whole A Whole New Mind," that's it, "A Whole New Mind." You should read it because he's talking about you. You've done a really great job of that, and the fact that you find passion in doing art with your children—that's amazing. And yes, you should let them color outside the lines and be creative. <laughs> it's doing a lot. I want to ask you, would you send some of your work for us to put into the blog that we're going to write about you, along with your headshot and some of the pictures of you and your friends and family and what you'd love to do outside of work?
1: Sure. Yeah, sure. I can take a couple pictures.
0: People love that. It tells the story of Ray (laughs) Ritter without just being your bio, because no woman I know is just her bio. The woman you Mm -hmm. are is the artwork you do with your children. The woman you are is the woman who struggled living alone in London. I mean, so I want to tell that story through pictures as well. Um, I'll share your bio and your headshot, of course, as well. And we'll have the podcast into sync the podcast into the blog and have that out within 48 hours. So folks, if you don't have a pen to write down how to reach Ray, don't worry about it. I'm going to put this in the blog. But for those of you who plan on just listening to the podcast, how can they reach you, Ray Ritter?
1: Sure, um, and and thank it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. I really appreciate you uh, taking time to hear my story today. It was really cool. Um, I love your story. So I, oh, okay. um, I'm on LinkedIn. I, of course, I use LinkedIn um, to stay in touch with uh, my professional network. Um, it's Ray Ritter, and then my email is ray r a e at legalisi.com. and that's that's a great way to get in touch with me.
0: And that is such a great name. Thank you. Another shout out to Jason um, Legalisi. That's amazing. Uh, what a good play on uh, <laughs> like the continuation of Legal Advice. That's That's really great. Mm-hmm. Easy to remember. And you do such good work <laughs> there. So check them out, folks. And Ray, thank you for being here. You're amazing.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.